Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have put out emails. They, they make uh, videos. They, they, they're keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back to The Basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we got a great kickoff to your week here going on right now. You know, we've been talking albums and we've been reviewing albums so far this year uh, pretty exclusively. And I, I've been threatening to get around to the interviews. And, and so this week, this week we're doing it. We're kicking it off with uh, a chat with a guy that I, I greatly respect. I uh, love what he does. He's a local musician around here. Like tours are all, all over the country and other countries. Talking about one Bobby Thompson. Now, you know this is this guy is a, he's, a, he's a blues rock guitarist, or you could say he's just a guitarist. But these are the areas that he sort of sort of dabbles in most. Been playing for years at this. Fell in love with this at an early age and has just been developing his craft. Playing with people like uh, Laura Segaris, who, if you are a long-time listener, we talked to her way, way back when we were doing this in Andre's basement. Uh, in that band also is our friend uh, Ben Tufts and Justin Jones, who he is also, Bobby has also played with in his band. Uh, he, is, he is a man about town, as you will. Uh, his new project, Revelator Hill, has a new album, uh, Atlantic Detour, coming out, and that's coming out, I believe, March 3rd. It is, uh, I've heard it, I can, I can spoil it for you, it's a great fucking album. Um, so I, I said, you know, I want to talk to you about that, but also, I, I, I don't talk about a lot uh, on this podcast, like, my explicit, like, upbringing in music and what I really love, but one thing that I was really a fan of was this kind of music, and specifically Eric Clapton. And from the first notes of this album, and also just knowing and seeing Bobby out at shows, it's it's been clear that he also shares love with that. So we got to get together and sort of nerd out on the guitarists that we grew up on and the guitarists that we celebrate now. It was it was honestly uh, I, I loved sitting down and chatting with him, and I hope he comes back again. So uh, that is your podcast for this week. At the back end of it, we're going to preview Atlanta Detour with a little track. So listen to the interview, come for the interview, stick around for the track. And uh, and with that, if you're comfortable, if you're ready to get started, let's head on down to the basement and talk to one Bobby Thompson of Revelator Hill. stuff out before but generally it's just it's just run and then see where it goes just, yeah, for about yeah. an hour and then we, we do it so okay uh bobby thompson welcome to the basement here and uh this is this is cool because this is the first interview we've done this year in 2017 very cool getting back on the horse it's been hard after the election and all that uh, it's been the in, twilight zone for a little bit and, and yeah. i don't know like in bizarro world and just sometimes you think you're living in a movie yeah yeah, you know, and there's it, the villain has taken over. Yes, that, and we're, but where's the superhero? <laughs> right, we don't right? know. We don't that's know. That's almost like what it is. It is almost like what it is. So we've been sort of slow to get get to that. But uh, I, I was looking around at people um, that I wanted to talk to, and you mentioned off mic that I talked to Justin Jones, who's a friend of yours, who, who we'll talk a little bit about. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, one of the great things about talking with him was that he's just he's 
plays everywhere. He plays with everybody. Yeah. Uh, he's he views this more as a as a life instead of a sort of a popularity contest. Which I think, uh, knowing your career to date so far, yeah, that's sort of where you're at. You you for people who don't know, you've played with, uh. How many bands at this point? Well, Justin is one of them. Justin and, is and, one and of them. And what I yeah. like about him is he's totally embedded in what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a separation between, you know, what he presents himself as. Yeah. With the person he, you see him as. It's the same. Yeah. It's So it's the real deal. Yeah, you know? which is crazy because he... Did, did you hear his last album? Did you play on his last album? I or? didn't play on the last one. I, actually, uh, I was wondering about that. Which one did I play on? It was Out, Fading Light. Yes, you yeah, played on Fading Light and, out, and Outgrown and stuff. When I, when I talked to him... I didn't play on Outgrown. Right. But but I was there when some of those songs were being... Yeah, yeah, uh, So I... And I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, I, I remember that too. Yeah. Because you've been playing in his band too. I was. So, we, we haven't done anything in a few years, I think. So but, you played with him. Uh, we're here today because you're putting out an uh, album under the name Revelator Hill. Yeah. With this band. It's called Atlantic Detour. It comes out, what, the 3rd of March? comes out the 3rd of March. Um, you have played, let's see, I think you're you're pretty pretty big with all the bands in the IOTA scene. Um, I've played IOTA for quite a while Yeah, when it first opened up, so we've been pretty steady there over the past few years with this band, which was known as the Bobby Thompson Project for a while. We just, yeah. I thought... So that, is, that, is that what happened? I thought... It just moved to a new name? Well, I just thought that was kind of a dry-sounding band name, and I wanted something with a little... Something behind it, and uh, Revelator Hill. Yeah, a couple words that were floating around in my head. You know, sometimes you get these words. You're playing with words. Some people do. Yeah, I don't know if you no, do, but, no, yeah. And then two of them stick, and you're like, "Well, what does that mean?" Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah. I mean, that and band names are hard. Band names can be tricky. I I keep notebooks. I got a notebook in the car where I'm just like, every time I think of a word, I'm just like, just write that down. A phrase. Yeah. You know, I, I have to write things down. I've, I've actually started doing that. It's it's a it's an immensely beneficial practice. Yeah. If you try to be creative at any in it, any capacity, especially at red lights, you can yes. do it. Just don't do it. Right, you right. have to do it. Don't because do it in you, the green you'll, light. You'll get that thing in your head, whether it's a word, whether yeah. it's like a, a musical phrase or something, and you, and you'll be like, I got so, this. This is the best thing. And then literally like three minutes later, you're like, Sometimes you got to pull over. Yeah. You know, because that thought, what do they say? You have it for not very, maybe 15 seconds, yeah. and then the thought goes away. Right. So if you don't write it down, you may remember it, but it's not going to be quite the same. Right. You're right. going to get kind of the degraded version. Yeah. yeah. And you want you, that pure. Yeah. You want the pure shot of you it. You want the pure thing, because then you go back and you're like, either, what was I thinking? Right. Or I'm like, that was brilliant. Yeah. You know, or somewhere in between. Yeah. Which now, <laughs> you know, now that the NSA is all up on us, like, they've got it. <laughs> they've, they've probably got it. I don't Sure, put my album out, you NSA. Know, just, you know, if you had just an idea, it just put in a uh, FOIA request and like get. get if they could distribute it, then I'll put it on NSA Records. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that'd be right? amazing. Um, no, uh, but you are you are known uh, in these circles as a guitarist, and I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong as as primarily a blues guitarist. Uh, this is yeah. this is something that fits into the iota scene. If we're talking about what's going on in the music world or the popular music world, I guess today, uh, you don't often see that a lot anymore. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that on the way over, about the, you know, the label blues, which is kind of strange for me now, because this is a bluesy record, but yes. it's mainly a rock record yeah, to me first. for sure. The blues plays a big part in it, but I wouldn't call, I wouldn't put this in a blues um, category in the record right, store. Right. I still think in terms of record stores. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know if... Yeah, no, absolutely. Now everything's on iTunes or whatever, but right. I, I think... Oh, I'm going to go look in the blue section. It's always smaller. Right. Um, and uh, But there are a few blues blues songs on here that are being played on blue yeah, stations I, 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 and I mean, things it's, like it's that. It's informed so. by this tradition that you clearly like love. I mean, I've uh, been following you on, on Twitter and Facebook. We're yeah. friends on there and stuff. And uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, there's if you hear this and you are a fan of, say, 80s Clapton, <laughs> there is there is certainly this Clapton esque yeah. tone and uh, style to how you've been playing. When you when when did you first look at a guitar and and be like, this is going to be the the thing for me? I was thinking about that this week because I was looking for my old high school yearbooks yeah. to show some people, and for some reason, my high school year when 
pop music was around, we were throwbacks to the 60s. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell people which year because then they'll know how old I am. But oh, That's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's okay, man. I, um, I graduated in 90. I graduated in 88. Okay. And what was it coming out on the radio those days? Right. You know, uh, hair bands and Madonna and all that stuff. Hair bands and Madonna. Cool. My sisters loved that, but we were listening. We had a dead cover band play at our prom. Yes. We had tie-dye underneath our tuxedos, and a buddy of mine was talking about Clapton and Cream and SGs and martial amps. And I'm like, what is all that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what I started getting into at the time. I, my first guitar was an SG. Yeah. Um, I had a Marshall stack. I don't know what I was thinking. Did you, did you my just... parents thought I was crazy. <laughs> They're like, you spent how much on what? Yeah. So, so, I mean, did you, did you just literally decide from like listening to this music? Like, I think I want to play guitar. Uh, well, my uncle kind of pushed me into it also. Yeah. He had guitars around. So, I, I didn't really think about it. It just kind of, it jumped into my lap. Yeah. You know, like the cat jumps into your lap. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. jumped in. I'm like, okay, I'll try this out. And I wouldn't say it was too easy at first because the guitar is not, you know, you're putting your fingers on flesh. I mean, your, your flesh on the. Yeah. It's, it can be tough for some. We've said it a lot. It's easy to sound cool. It's hard to master. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really, especially if you got your Marshall stack. I mean, it, it's all, easy as hell. To all sound those cool. things like uh, vibrato and yeah. and um, but but yeah, Clapton was. If you, I watched his hands a lot, I watched yeah. him play, and that was where I started just by watching him. Te- well, technically, what there was there was a box set out around that time uh, because you know I I started uh, I played instruments before yeah like for years before since I was like five. In fact, that piano over there is what I started on. Wow, I just got here this week, uh, so I'm relearning that now. Yeah, and uh, and I switched to guitar because, like you said, there was all this stuff you know that you, people were like into the dead. There was all this music under. Yeah under what was going on on the radio uh but you know classic rock was was sort of those stations were starting to launch because you didn't hear a lot of that in the mid 80s but clapton had a career and clapton had made that transition from early like you know you go back early 60s and stuff you got like uh delaney and bonnie right stuff like that uh john mile and the blues breakers and then he moved through Cream, and then through Derek and Dominos, Blind Faith, and all that stuff. And by the time he got, and then he just dropped off the face of the earth. And then, but by the time he got to the '80s, he was coming back, and it was the same guitar tone. But he was trying to fit into all this stuff. So right. some somebody, I think it was a Capitol Records, had a smart idea. Like, what if we put out this box set, and it was yeah. called Crossroads, and it was this entire career, and it was such like. A musical education for most guitar players I know that that age, my age, who heard it because, yeah. and it's, <laughs> I know there's a lot of Claptonators out there, but it it just opened. It's stylistically, it was all over the place, and it opened like everybody's mind to like, wow, this is what I, I think there are a lot of because yeah, I kind of bypassed the seventies. Yeah. I was aware of I Shot the Sheriff, but we were listening to Steel Pulse and Bob Marley in high sure, school, sure, so sure. we didn't want to hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, okay, that's cool that he introduced the world to right. Bob, but let's go back a little further. And I kept going back and back, and and the same friends that were into Clapton in high school, we kind of got past it, and we started going back to Albert King and Freddie King and yeah. all the Kings. And then, you know, we started coming home with Robert Johnson and records. And then once you get back there, yeah. And then you just go back as far as you can, and you go even further. I, when I went to school, we were studying, like, African rhythms and, uh-huh. and looking at that and jazz and, and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so... I kind of came full circle recently, and my appreciation for those Clapton years is kind of, kind of been cool because we did a tribute show recently. Oh yeah, that's last right. Last month with Jonathan Sloan, and we uh-huh. both had, we both been wanting to do his Rainbow concert. Yeah, yeah. So we did the show, not not the entire thing, but we did most of it, and that was great. So we're gonna do. I think we're gonna do another one soon. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so. Um... It seemed like it, at that time it was the gateway into blues for a lot of people. Like, yeah. like you said, he yeah. he he exposed gateway, people yeah. to like Bob Marley and uh, stuff. I mean, that's always been the point of of a lot of British rock, anyways. It's like the Rolling Stones, him. Uh, well, I think because he he did it in such a um, in such a way that he was to me he did pay respect. Yeah, you know, there were other bands that didn't. That, yeah, yeah, that didn't credit. You know, I heard that the money they made from "I'm So Glad" would, went to the guy's uh, widow, right, Skip James, mm-hmm. who was in a DC hospital around yeah. that time. Yeah, 
and one of the guys in Kareem went and took his widow, you know, the money that they made. Right, no, there was, that, a, rever- is, there was I think a reverence. There was a very cool thing. You, to look, do. you look at like what even like like Mick Jagger, for say, yeah. the work that he did to get people uh, to understand that the American blues was where it's at. Yeah. Like he'd go play with Howlin' Wolf, like in Chicago or something, and then Stones would just be like, oh, we're going to be the openers. Yeah, like you all, yeah. you all. I mean, or that, this that, show is about muddy waters. Yeah, yeah. This or this about show is us. about muddy waters. Yeah, yeah. Checkerboard lounge. Yeah, or something. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, and and that that type of stuff. I think I don't know if it's been lost to history because you had, uh, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this. Uh, when you know Clapton was coming up, then at the end of I think the 80s or mid 80s, mid end of the 80s, you had somebody like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, who was a for many, um, even more so than Hendrix, was the face of the blues. Yeah, and uh, it sort of, it sort of, in my mind, blew everything up because when he came along, I don't know, I don't know if people at that point were necessarily going back from him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because they you mean back, you know, when when they buy a Stevie record, Stevie record, they don't be like, well, what is this influence? They were just like, they wouldn't, okay, right, I, yeah. because, because it was like, oh, he's Texas blues, yeah, and so, and but this is the Texas blues guy. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't doing the same service. I had so. at that time had already started going back because of Clapton. That when I heard of Stevie Ray uh-huh. at that time, I wasn't actually interested. I, yeah, it I wasn't either. It, it didn't because I thought. I think the only time I was invited to go see him play, he was touring with jeff beck oh yeah and i just wasn't really listening to jeff beck at the time yeah i would listen to the 70s stuff blow by blow yeah, stuff yeah, like sure, that sure. that blew me away but it took me a few years to get this on the stevie thing but yeah the you know i would do the same thing with him i listen to it and i'm like man there's there's buddy guy in there mm-hmm. there's hubert sumlin there's you know albert collins i'm hearing all these blues players in his play yeah and i'm like this guy's legit yeah you know so i go back and get everything i could it, I got mean, a bootleg from 1979 when he's playing in Georgetown. Oh, no shit. I'll, I'll share that with at you. The, uh, yeah, absolutely. Desperados at, at or the, something. Uh, Desperados. I was going to say it wasn't at well, the Bayou. That wasn't open He then. played the Bayou, too, when he was starting to kind of rise up, but Texas Flood, I think. But his early tone before his albums yeah. was yeah. clean, no pedals, just yeah. straight, raw, you know, yeah, heavy yeah. strings. And that really influenced me for a while. I was in blues bands for a while. And the problem was there was too many people playing, trying to play like Stevie. And, that, and that's and sort of my kind point. Of me is off it, of the that's blues sort of my point bit. is that there were too many people trying to play like Stevie. Yeah. And not trying to play like the the people that influenced Stevie. I think I went away from it little for a little while just because I I didn't want to fall into that trap and stay there. So uh-huh. I I went I started playing reggae music. I played folk music. Yeah. I started playing slide guitar. You know, because I yeah I, I got hung up trying to play like Dwayne Allman, which is really tough for me. So the lap slide was kind of open things up because yeah. there weren't a lot of players doing it. No. You know? so, no, and slide itself is a very specific but thing. I, that, that's where I came to sort of open up my ideas. And I, you know, I ended up playing with people like Justin Jones. And yes. Stuff, who ha- we, he also appreciates blues music. Yeah. But the, we got to do something original. And I feel like what I'm doing now yeah. with this new album is like, you could say there's a little bit of the, the yeah, bluesy you, style rock right, playing in there because right. there is. You know, this is just our. You I mean, know. do you like do you, do you talk about it in terms of like Americana? I I, I don't know. That's a legitimate question. So you know, I, I don't really think too much of that term right now. As for us, I think it could be if somebody heard it, somebody legit heard it, and and, and they said it was Americana. I I don't want to say it is. Mm-hmm. We just. We just started going in the studio and recording, you know, bluesy type riffs with rock rhythms with, uh, you know, a few times we tried to change it up by doing something in 5-4 instead of 4-4, which is a standard rock playing. Right, right, right. You know, it's just basically a collection of songs that that kind of uh, represent our sound over the past year. Yeah. How we've sounded over the past year. How long have you, how, how long has this band been together? Um, I would say this this lineup, the Live Out Iota album that came out in 2015, yeah. that was yeah. kind of the first time this, this lineup really solidified into a work. Yeah. And this was a continuation. I think one of the songs, Look At You Now, was on that album. Okay. I just thought, man, we should do a studio version. 
we went in there. I think it was the last song we did that day. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be on the album. I told the guys, I mean, I listened back. I'm like, this should be on the album. Yeah. You know, and it was totally live. I, I think I redo one guitar, but the basic part of a drums, bass, right. and vocals. Right. Or all live. I think I redid some lap slide guitar on it. Is this, you know, for as many years as you've been doing this, is this, do you think, sort of solidified as, as the lineup that maybe, like, was meant to be? I, I think it's probably one of the easiest groups I've ever worked with. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, guys in the studio that are all, we're all kind of, like, on board with what we want to do. It, there's not a lot of veto veto things going on. We're yeah. not like, oh, don't play that. We right. might uh, recommend things to each other and uh, try things out, and we're all up for it. So it's a really easy thing to, mm -hmm. to work. And this, this to me, is starting a new band. This is our first album. Right, right. This is the beginning of something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because people, so, people are, are going to be like, you know, they might know the Bobby you know, yeah. Thompson project, but they're going to look at this and be like, well, who's this revelator? I, I almost wanted to put like a new... Uh, what's the word new new image or new stamp on on this beginning part of a new band like oh you cut your hair i cut my hair <laughs> so. a new year a lot of the crazy things happening yeah um it's the, the new era you know well, the, the, what it was it uh episode five now yeah <laughs> in yeah. our lives yeah yeah uh, i mean it's you know it's got an energy to it, and and this is you know you sent it to me I guess this week and and listen to it. It's got this energy to it that immediately. And the reason I started out talking about Clapton, it takes me back to those records, it takes me yeah. back to these records that I grew up listening to. That you, if you talk to like your average music fan, especially younger music fan on the street, they'll hear something and they're just like, what 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 is that? I'm like, no, that's good songwriting and like you said it's not a blues album it's blues influenced right and the you know this stuff didn't go away it's just not you know what pitchfork necessarily is talking about right and i'm starting to wonder why <laughs> it's not what pitchfork is talking about because what you see here what you guys have laid down yeah. shows not only a mastery of of your instruments and what you're doing, but it, it shows, you know, a history. Of yeah. music. There's a, it's informed by a history of stuff. It's informed by your own personal histories, but it also, uh, it can, I, I can put it next to behind the sun, Eric Clapton, or I can put it as an album now. Yeah. I think that's what we were. We were doing something in the studio that day when we, when we played that bonus track, I just, I almost felt like after we played it, I'm like, man, is that what 1973 felt like right well, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, You know, because I was, I was just a kid, but if you were in the studio with Zeppelin and they were just trying things out, that's how they did it. It wasn't like separated um, vocal tracks on Pro Tools mm -hmm. in the basement and then, and then you put drums on top or you do a, a you know, a click track. This was live. Yeah. This was, I want to hear that amp buzz. I want the drum mics to pick up the guitar amp. I want Let It Bleed. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the video that I had in high school all the time was was the Beatles on the rooftop. Oh, Let yeah. it be. I'm like, yeah. And I'm going, man. How did they record that? They just everything just bled together. You know, right. And there's probably not as much bleed on this album as I would have let happen. Right. Our engineers still wanted us to kind of sure because we're in modern times. We're going to use modern equipment, but. You know, it just feels like a but, set. But 70s even, rock album, even maybe? The, even the, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 70s rock album. But even to that point about the Beatles and stuff, is like you can get away with that if you're a if you're an actual like band. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's been forgotten by a lot of musicians these days, uh, where they, they they stay focused on like how many hits they're going to get. Yeah. How many instead of making? I mean, are, when you're making this, obviously you guys all love this type of music, but like, are you aware? Are you thinking about oh shit? How do we market this? How do we? Well, you know, I, I'd like people to hear it. The the more numbers, you know, the the better. I, you know, we we play shows. We played a show to Iota recently where about 120 people came out. Right. Um, and that's good for me. I, that makes me feel good that people are interested in hearing it and hearing it live. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of band we are. We'll. Live at, I at Iota was totally live after a tour. You know, we mm -hmm. went up north and came back. We recorded a live album. I'm like, that's that's how the bands that I grew up listening to did it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't go into the. I mean, there, there there are valid ways of doing it, like drum track, drum sure, machines, and, sure. and beats or whatever there's, like there's that. An electricity and that, and that's, you get. That's just not really how I want to present myself. Yeah, you know, you've got the screen up right now with like Grant Green and and Cannonball Adderley, and yeah, I'm yeah. like. Could we even hang in the room with those guys? Man, they would just blow me away. Well, I don't. That's a good... It's so intense, you know. <laughs> so, so I mean, let's talk about Grant Green for a little bit because I, I, uh, uh, Chad Clark, uh, the beauty pill, turned me on to him. Yeah, he he doesn't play guitar. I mean, he plays guitar, but he's not a guitarist. Yeah. And and I had gone, you know, talk about like not going back after uh, Steve Ray Vaughan. Right. I had never pushed back on jazz before to, and finally I got to him. Really? And I was like, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like. Fuck, man, I've been playing for 35 damn years, yeah. and I don't grasp, like, how to do this. Well, I, but it's I, perfect. Yeah. I don't either. Don't, like, I, <laughs> I put on John Coltrane, and I don't even try to... I just start right? cleaning... It, it's house cleaning music for me, and I'm, like, stimulated more than I am with coffee in the morning. Yeah. By that, but I, I'm not going to sit down and go and... I, I just don't... I've tried to play jazz. I don't have the capacity to play on over changes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I want to be able to be a little more freeform with the blues and jam band element, you know. Yeah. But these guys were like they they can really teach you something about well about tone, about you know, you talk tone about tone quality. You talk yeah, you, you you talk about a lot of guitarists have like this big rig. Like I I've never used a big rig. It doesn't sound like you use a big like effects rig. In the studio I got away with a little bit oh, more. Yeah. <laughs> a, a super and a Marshall at the same time. Okay. I probably wouldn't do that iota. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you know, but but these guys are are, are depending on their fingers, yeah. and depending on uh, a very like sometimes plugged directly into an amp, and that's it. That's and it. you have to do that. You, I mean, you mentioned the dead. Like, where do you hold somebody like Jerry Garcia in like the pantheon of of guitarists? And what he did for jazz and blues for his longevity and and the ideas that flowed through him, even in his hardest times. Yeah. The guy had stamina and endurance yeah. and an ability to entertain, even on his off nights. Yeah. People loved to see him play. And yeah. I liked listening to him. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's because it, it was... I th- when somebody really has a mastery of their instrument, and I and I hear this not... It's, you don't sound like Garcia, but I hear this in your playing a lot. Oh. You can tell that they have that mastery. So he sounds exactly like him. That's it, and and yeah. nobody is going to sound like Garcia because he crossed over some threshold. So it's interesting that you said. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what, he, it, what it was that he did. Maybe it was the things he was on, but but he, he just went into this. I, I dimension think it's just that, loving that your he instrument. He wasn't afraid to go there. Right. He wasn't like, oh, I need to present this. He's like, I don't. I'm just going to put this T-shirt on, go on stage, yeah. and <laughs> just I'm just going to play today. Yeah, and that's all this is about. Yeah, this is about playing. It's just gonna it's play. not about because it, it's interesting. You said it's like you know you can you could never figure out or play like something like John Coltrane or something, yeah. and you just do this, knowing your limitation, like that's like a huge part of any like developing as a musician. Period. Yeah. Because and and it's honestly it's something I'm I'm stuck on. Well, I don't know if it's a limitation, but I think it's more of a path that you know that you're following that is not somebody else's path. That right. That's what I'm saying. Like. Like, I just decide, well, this is the way I'm going to go, and I'm going to build on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you play to like your you're strengths. you're building that path as you go. And that's that's the way. You, and, uh, and I kind of dabbled with it for years with playing as a sideman with other people. But recently, I'm like, I, I feel like I don't have time for that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, what, is, this, is, my, this is the road I'm on, and, and the guys I'm with in this band, Seth and Jeff and Gary and Wes, yeah. let's all go together. What's, what's, what's the weirdest... Um, genre you tried to sort of insert yourself into weirdest genre as a guitar oh, that's a tough one um or weirdest you know mind. reggae was kind of easy to to go into sure i'm still thinking about though something's going to come up here and i'm gonna by talking about it i'll figure it out right but, you know bob marley used to he, he grabbed al anderson because al played like Jimi hendrix and the blues fit right into yes. reggae so when i toured with some reggae bands it pretty much fit in, and in other places it didn't, didn't quite fit. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest thing I tried to do. I guess trying to play jazz was strange for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> classical guitar, like, 
somebody oh, yeah, handed yeah, to me. Like Nile I was, it wasn't in front of a lot of people, and right. it wasn't like a concert. It right. was a little more of a workshop. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really do it this this way. All these uh, big chords and stuff. Yeah, you know. I mean, do, do you do you not do that because the music doesn't resonate with you, or again, it's just because you know? I think that what your limitation I think is that level of guitar uh, of for that level of guitar players, you almost need to be classically trained. Yes. You do. You're talking about something like Segovia or something. Yeah. yeah Charlie Bird. Charlie, yeah. I was with Charlie Bird on stage. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know what I was doing there. Cause I wasn't a jazz guitar, but I was right. a blues guy. Right. And I was still in my formative years. So I wasn't afraid of trying that, but that was just kind of, it wasn't normal. It didn't feel natural to me. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like, but when I listen to Grant Green or Wesley Montgomery and they're yeah. playing a the blues, I'm like, that I like. That I yeah. can borrow. Like, like Stevie would go back and you'd hear some of that and him's playing. And he did Little Wing. Yeah. You know, and playing the octaves. Yeah. Little Wing, which, which you know, much, like, much like Jeff Buckley's song, yeah. like people think, like he claimed Little Wing at that point. Oh, Jeff Buckley. I, I love I listening to Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Yeah. He was also a weirdly good guitar player. He was a great guitar player. There's a there's an album from him in somewhere in New York City. I think it's just him solo. Yeah. 94, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I like guys like Jeff Buckley and Chris Whitley. Yeah. Stuff like that, where it's just, you take, you, you can tell that the guys know how to sing and play. Yeah. And they're just taking it somewhere completely. They're taking you which on is, a ride, Which is you novel. Know? And, you know, with with Buckley, he got, and granted, that was just sort of a, a genetic gift from his father. Yeah, yeah. But he got comfortable with his voice and said, okay, this is what I got to do. And then, and it comes out. His, I mean, his range and the way he hits those notes and holds them up high. Way he hits those, I mean, and, but the, but uh, even even the choices he made, yeah. like like he only put out one album, "Sketches from My Sweetheart of the Drunk," is sort of a cobbled together yeah. thing. But in that, you it was sort of a gift, I think, because you get to hear somebody working through this stuff, right? And and you you hear him make some of the choices. You hear you hear some of the stuff, and you're like, oh, that's how he got that on Grace. Yeah, that's a, and you hear it in the guitars too. Because, you know, I, I've seen him do or heard him do uh, just straight, almost like folk. Yeah. yeah that's what he started out as because yeah. his dad was a folk musician, as, as freaky as Tim Buckley was. Um, I he, think he was kind of a little bit like Chris Whitley when it came to the band format. He was a little bit looser mm-hmm. with yeah. the band, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah. solo, he was pretty... And uh, those guys, I saw them play uh, down... Uh, do you remember... Uh, you're from this area, right? Yeah. You remember a club called Alley Cats down in Richmond? Yeah. Okay. So right after he died, they went out as Black Beetle, I think. It was Jeff Buckley's His band. rhythm section? Yeah. It was, it was basically Jeff Buckley band without Jeff Buckley because yeah. he was dead. And it they were very much doing sort of a weird jazz, the guitarist, I forget his name right now, uh, who was responsible for a lot of the stuff on Grace, was doing this weird like metal jazz. <laughs> really? you know? but you know as fans of jeff buckley and then yeah. as, as a guitar player like watching people do that stuff is like oh shit like oh you, you're gonna yeah. do that now you're gonna do that now um you know even like back to grant green for a second talk about like him doing the blues and stuff he uh would put out albums mm-hmm. that are reworking the standards yeah like beatles songs yeah and like that is, I get. I guess it's the point I'm, I'm getting to is like that's sort of a different industry uh, when you think about it. Like jazz is all about the performing live. Well, I think and you it, make it, records. Yeah, it is about the po- the popular American songbook, isn't it? You know, like even if you go back to like I, Nat I, King Cole and I, I, don't, and I don't know though because I don't know guys like that. I, think. I I'm not. Uh, I really have been digging into jazz the past two years, so I don't. I don't know the answers to these things. Well, I, I don't want to know. John Coltrane covered my favorite things from the sound of music. Yeah. And that was a huge hit for him. Right. But that was just one. And then he went off and but did his John album. But John Coltrane sitting there like, you know, you, you made this album. Is John Col- Coltrane thinking about like, I got to make this album and then I can do this other stuff to pay I think the it's bills? Just about, or... I think it's just about playing a song you like playing too. I think he just probably just wanted to give it his own interpretation, whether it was a hit or not. Yeah. Maybe his manager was like, "Hey, you need a hit, yeah. you know." <laughs> otherwise, hey, hey, buddy, you gotta pay me. <laughs> otherwise, uh, you know, I can't be your manager anymore. Right, you're gonna, right. You're gonna have to do it yourself. And well, how do we get <laughs> right here in the basement? How do we get the world back to that? 
Because that look that you know you know I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, there's some bands out there doing things like, like yeah. Austin City Limits and like Wilco. Yeah. You know, Sturgill Simpson. You've got yeah. this on the wall here, and I think it's coming. I think people are paying attention, and and you know, in some ways, yeah. Because I, I I say all the time down here. I say I I honestly I don't care anymore what genre you put yourself in. Yeah. All I want is a good song. Right. It can yeah. be. It can be a minute long. It can be 30 minutes long. Yeah. All I want is a good song. And all yeah. I want is to move me and not feel like fake, not feel artificial. Well, I think that's, that's some of the stuff too, is like too much, too much guitar playing can, can take it away from that too. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be a, but how do you hate on that guitar player? Like if, you, a tricky if you're, balance. yeah, yeah. If you're back, yeah. think about back to the eighties, think about extreme, right? If you're, <sighs> if you're, you're sitting there and you're going to be like, Hey, Nuno, Betancourt, yeah. Don't play as much as you want to play on this. Let's I've just got do that. students coming to me going, "Hey, um, can you teach me eruption?" I'm like, "No, I can't." <laughs> I, <laughs> well, this teacher over here can, but I, but there's you know I'll watch it and I'm like, "Man, that's amazing!" But you know I may watch it in the same way I'll watch Segovia. Yeah, that blows me away. But that might not be something that I want to you know I want I want to get into a song too. Right. You know. Um, just listening to a neil young record the other day when i was i was driving to charlottesville and my car i don't have a i don't have a way to plug my phone into my stereo my my car so it's all cds for me and i had i can't remember what album it was it's from the 90s i I have a friend it was just like you know you got your tom petty kind of ears on yeah you know and you listen to this the the folk rock or rock folk and right it's all about the song yeah there's a few guitar riffs in there but that's well, the stuff that I well, really like. Well, I mean, Neil like. Young had had these yeah. massive like one note riffs. Uh, yeah. Mike Campbell from Tom Petty, like, Crazy that, it's a riff master. You know, yeah. it's funny. I had a friend uh, recently. I was, I was making fun of him in in good humor. Yeah, um, he is. Uh, he was a little sheltered for a while, and like legit, never dove into say Neil Young's catalog. Right. So he hit me up and said, uh, "He goes, oh man." Uh, I just been sitting around the house listening to Down by the River. Oh man, do you you even know? And I'm like, <laughs> my first question was, how high are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was, was like, say, exactly. it was like, dude, I was like, I'm not hating on you, but like that is one of the most like legendary rock songs yeah. of all time. That you're getting to discover that what makes it that right now is amazing. How many times did you listen to it? Go listen to it again a few more times. Yeah, you'll, you'll spend your whole day just. Yeah, you're like, oh, I gotta go to work or whatever, but you you could just get lost in it. Yeah, you know, yeah, and and I don't know how much of that is like sentimentality now. Uh, like, I'll put on a Beatles record, yeah, and I'll just keep listening to the Beatles record, or but, but, or, or honestly, Prince. I just got around the world in a day. That may be the thing that that you're looking for. That some people are is the, is the the sound that just takes you away and you forget where you are and what you're doing. And I was doing, I was, I think I was playing somewhere the other day, and I just got lost and I forgot where I was. Mm-hmm. I looked up and there was a crowd and I just had got lost in the music. And that's the kind of stuff that yeah. is done to me when I was younger. That Right. That was a reason I kept playing. Yeah, that's why that's why I you put do on it. Electric Ladyland with my headphones in my room in high school and it just Yeah, also you're like, everything you, else. You're transported. Yeah. You're like out and that, here. And that's the stuff that sticks with me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so now you're here trying to channel that. And uh, you know, I I've listened to this album and that's done that to me. Yeah, I got a lot. I mean, like I've listened to it. You know, when you're working on a record, you listen to it a lot. Yeah, and there's days where like I don't want to hear that anymore. Yeah, it's enough. Let's get it out. You yeah. know, and that's why I don't like to spend too long making a record. I think we started this in April last year uh-huh. and recorded over the summer. Where, where was it recorded? Uh, we started at a studio here in DC <laughs> with Tim Lyons and Wes Landing, who plays keyboards. They call L and L Studios. That's just the first song we did there, and then we moved over to Q. Actually, we, I'm sorry. Before we did that, we did a couple songs with Tommy Lepson in his okay. basement yeah, studio. Yeah. I think two of those are on here. And then we went over to Q and did about four, five, two, three, five. Yeah. And I was like, you know, a lot of the albums in the '70s, dude, they weren't that long. Like now, you get a CD, there's like 15 songs. The, it feels like a double album, yeah. right? This the, is this is enough for for us. This was like forty minutes, just over. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's right around 45 minutes. Yeah. Some of the songs kind of get up there, but, you know, in, in the length, but it's what's, you know, what's wrong with that? You look at an album in 1970, a Zeppelin album, or right. Blind Faith or whoever. Yeah, they're not short songs. Yeah, the album's over. We're not making a Ramones record here. No, no, you're not. I mean, it's interesting. 2017 has been uh, a good time for a lot of the best records so far have been short, like 35 minutes. That almost seems like an EP to me. It almost seems like an EP, but you know, if like the album we just did, the uh, Foxygen album, uh, which it succeeds because it's so short. Yeah. It has its mission statement at the beginning. It gets in and lets you know what it's going to do. Yeah. And then it does it. And yeah. then it lets you, it's like, all right, yeah. go about your day. Yeah. And I mean, that can, <laughs> that's another way to work. I mean, when you're talking about like longer albums or head trips, you get into like Pink Floyd stuff, yeah. uh, which uh, I am to this day shocked that we don't have, that the, the musical landscape isn't just lousy with Pink Floyd clones. Yeah, I guess another guitar player that I don't—I don't know how big he was for you, but for me, I got—I borrowed my friend's delay pedal, and yeah. I was like, "All right, I got to figure out what's going on here on another brick on the wall." Then I got to figure out "Run Like Hell," and then I got to figure out like all these other things. And then I was like, well, "What the fuck is that tone about? What is yeah. he? What is he doing?" It, there, there is no Pink Floyd without David Gilmore no. for me. <laughs> Before there, there was it existed in the sixties, yeah. but that's more of an interesting thing. But yeah. yeah. The Barrett stuff's good, but it's it's not it's not Pink Floyd. No, that that's what it is to me. And I I benefited from teaching some students recently about that guitar tone, and I'm still just I'm still trying to figure out what it is because it's it's sort of you know that Clapton esque thing that we were talking about, but it's not improvised all the time. You're playing right. the same lines over the song everywhere you go, everywhere he goes. Yeah, it's a melody, you know. Yeah, and, and you sing, you hear it, you sing it as much as you hear the melody of the song, and that's that's a pretty powerful thing. So, so to that point, though, I mean, that's also good songwriting, and there and there's a lot of this on on your album, you know, because you grew up having an appreciation for jam bands and stuff. Yeah. What, where, where do you draw the line of like, okay, I'm going to go on and do this like thirty minutes solo? <laughs> I don't know if we've gone that long. Um, <laughs> You know, I thought it was kind of ballsy to put a drum solo on the Live at IOTA record. Yeah. But I'm like, you listen to Moby Dick, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You sat through that drum solo. Yeah, you sat through it. I mean, it's it different like... when you see it than when you hear it. But if you listen to Jeff Mills, and I'm, I'm plugging my, you know. Sure. Plugging Jeff. There's actually two drummers in the group. One drummer that's the local guy, and one's the touring guy right now. But they played, oh, okay. toge- they played together. Are not it, on the drum kit, but percussion and and drums. So, anyways, um, are there other plans to like combine them, and so you yeah, have like a double I, double drumming dead at setup? some point this year or this year? It's something like that's going to happen. Nice, yeah, I think so. We haven't quite figured out how or where, but maybe maybe the Hamilton will look at that. Oh, you get yeah. two two drum kits. Yeah. So so to that point, actually, what about the uh, where, where do you guys see you fitting into the DC scene here? Because if People who aren't here, yeah, you know, you've got this long history of punk uh, right. that threatens to rear its head again. I mean, there's a, there's a place for it, but uh, like any any good movement, uh, it it happened once for a reason, and it'll never happen again. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, but we have <clears throat> the nine thirty club here. We have right. the Black Cat. We have the Hamilton, which you play a lot. We have Iota. Yeah. Like, how do you feel? Like, do you think it's think we're doing good? Do you think we're pretty healthy here? Or? I think there's a definitely a healthy independent sense around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, kind of hold off using the term indie because I don't even know really what that yeah. means anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you're independent, right. aren't you indie? Right. I mean, I'm independent. This yeah. is all this, uh, is, this run is indie by rock, us. right? Yeah. But uh, if you if you there are a lot of scenes going on and, and I'm kind of one of those guys that I like to bounce between them. Like, I don't like to, once I, yeah. once they, once you think I'm a blues guitarist, I'll go over and hang out with the rock guys. Or once yeah, yeah. you think I'm a jam band guy, I'm going to a, a acoustic open mic. Right. You know, there's not really one place that I, I'm totally satisfied with all the time. As long as each of them are, as long as each of them care about what they're doing. And the scenes, yeah. you know, if they really care about that style enough important. to really study it, 
then I'm like, that's cool. I can tell you really care about it. But if you're just dabbling a little bit, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I dabble with studied, painting, but I'm not a painter. Right, you know? right. It's funny. Somebody, uh, Jim Wastner from Y.O., do you know that band? No. Uh, they're from Baltimore. Uh, they, they are merged now, merged records, and they, uh, they, they got uh, sort of pretty high up. They did well for themselves as like an indie rock band, but she was down sure. there talking about that and about basically about studying, and people were asking her, like, how do you, how do you succeed in doing right. this? And she was like, I work in a form. And I know the form. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's when people care enough to re- like recognize that fact and, and just respect it. Like, and you can get into that. Like, you know, yeah. you know, you know what you're working in on this record. Right. You guys clearly knew. You don't, I mean, you well, know how many, how many like kids just, and this is great to, to a point, but how many kids go out and just like, I'm going to make a blues record. It's it, tricky because I don't, you know, I, if you make a blues record, you do need to fall into that form. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to go into that form too much. I want to be free to create a form. Right. But it has to be within a framework, probably more of the rock blues mm-hmm. that we were talking about, um, where there is that place for, I mean, if you put on physical graffiti, I mean, it sounds natural, but it sounds different than anything else. Right. 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 It absolutely So they're does. creating their own form based off what they learned the when clapton was in the blues breakers he was very formed yes cream was all over the place he was insane but he but you got to learn that for you got to learn the rules to, mm-hmm. to break the rules right absolutely absolutely and i feel like i learned the rules i studied a lot of rules i stood there and i played by the rules yeah i'm creating my own rules now yeah because who made those rules for me yeah somebody else yeah there's always I somebody mean, it, it, yeah it's all it, it, and who makes the curriculum you know they right or do you make your own I, I think I think it's the latter. I don't think that's a rhetorical question. I th- I think you you make your own. Yeah. There is there are so many ways to express yourself, and if you are a person who is going to do that, yeah, that you latch onto like what you latch onto, right? And you figure it out, and and then for a while you're gonna sound exactly like this one person. For a while you're gonna suck. You know, <laughs> no, it's, true. it's true. Well, yeah, I know the feeling like I, to that other point you made about, you know, how far do you push it? Uh, somebody was asking me the other day and they were like, they were at a show and they saw me looking around when I was playing. And sometimes I do that. I like to see if people are mm-hmm. still with it's, it's a, if it's a conversation. Yeah. I don't want to be just talking at somebody. Right. I don't want to just be playing at you. Right. So I am, a, you know, I do think that's an important point when there's people there. You know, you don't want to pander completely to it. Like, oh, do you like what I'm doing? It's not like that. Right, right, right. But I, I do like, you know, we're we're a social society. We're not, yeah. you know, islands. And, and live music is a social thing. Yeah, so it's. I've become more aware of that. I mean, when you're a front person, you're running a band, that's, that's just, that is something to think about, you know? Oh, for sure. All the people that are involved in. For come sure. To the show. For, if you're going to come to the show you're you're i'm not well, any more well, important we, than you, we, you know, we, there, we walked in you know? we walked into your show in Asheville just randomly we were down there and oh, you yeah. were playing in Asheville right yeah. and uh it was you and lauren cav who is amazing she's calf calf excuse Calve. me calve <laughs> is that what we're gonna say i, I about that yeah, um, and uh we walked in and what was what was wild is that there there wasn't a big audience there but they were all focused on. It's not you. a very big place. It's not a very big place either. Yeah, there's... and they were all focused on what was going on, like you would do, like with a jazz band. Honestly, yeah, you go see jazz. You, you don't. Sometimes we go out of town, and it, that yeah. might have been the first time we played there. Yeah, yeah. So that happens when you go out of town. You play the first time. Yeah. It's like twenty or thirty people there. But, but, but I don't but think they that... were all there. That's what I'm saying. It's like they were all into it. We saw we saw this amazing thing. Uh, Zenia Rubin has played at Song Songbird. And it's something I've never seen anybody do uh, that, you know, because when you're playing there, like 930 Club, yeah. past a certain point, there's people who are just there. Yeah. And I'm like illustrating with my hand, like the, the depth of the club. In the, in the back but, area. Yeah, in the back area. So there's yeah. people that are just there to hang out, which is you're never going to reach them. So in a smaller place, that gets more more apparent. Uh, Xenia saw this happening and then saw the 20 people up front who were really into the show. Yeah. And she just let the people in the back go and yeah. played to these 20 people and made it about like a conversation. Yeah. Are you saying? And so there, there may be a lot oh. of people there, but there's that group that's yeah. really there to absorb it, you know? And that's what I'm like when I go to a show. I'm like, 
I get I get involved. I, I really start to listen. You know, I've been to shows at nine thirty club where I'm like, I forget who. I'm sorry, I ignored you. I was really paying to the attention of the yeah. show. I was really pulled in. You know, that's how I do shows now. Yeah, I, I I think that's I didn't for a long time. And obviously, if when you're younger, yeah, you just go, you drink a lot, yeah, maybe take some drugs, maybe <laughs> like do, do some things. You know, and and it's this whole experience. You have fun. Yeah, yeah you, you have party. fun. You have fun, and it's this experience. But now, uh, especially like. I think it's probably because I started shooting shows like five or six years ago. Yeah. When you're, you know, eight feet away from Willie Nelson with the camera, that's... You're eight feet away from Willie Nelson. Yeah. You're like, and, you're the prick. And you can't take anything like that for granted. And you can't, I don't think you should look, you can look at it like it's just because it's Willie Nelson. Like every musician deserves like your respect. They're getting up there and doing that thing. Yeah. And so like, just go and pay attention. At least that's what I like. to do. I, yeah. I agree with that. You know, I know people get like pissed off with cell phones and people talking and like, that's going to happen. But yeah. like, uh, if you didn't go with the express intention of, of actually just paying attention to that person, like I'm, I'm not sure what you're there for. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I don't, you know. And this is like this is not the world we exist in. Music is a commodity, right? So it's not it's, all about like you got to pay attention to the art, man. I think a lot of people go for different reasons, man. And and if 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 you're hanging back in the back, having a conversation, that's cool. Mm-hmm. If, but if it's an acoustic band and you're right up front having that conversation, <laughs> yeah, no. no. I want to think about that. Yeah, you, you know, and I've seen that happen at shows and where I was uh, in a band, and yeah. I'm like, that was the. I've seen people call down from the stage, tell people to just shut the fuck I, up. I've, I've heard it too, and, and at, at big shows too. Yeah. You know, like folk guys were like, mm-hmm. if you want to have a conversation, it's cool, but go over there, yeah, or leave. Yeah, I don't, I don't d- despise you or anything, but you shouldn't be so close. You know, yeah, or maybe I do. Maybe I hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the new world we're in. It's okay. That's okay. I, yeah, I play with with a few artists. If that happened, yeah, you might just stop the show and just when you're whenever you're done. Yeah, we'll start again. You know. Yeah, it's it's uh, the the spectrum of reactions. I don't think that. we play that quite, uh, this band. Mm-hmm. I don't think we play quite enough for that to happen. We'll see. We just don't play acoustic a lot live. Right. So. You're probably not going to be able to. <laughs> you're up front. You might not be able to hear your thoughts, but we're not that loud. But we we do play with volume at times. So you know, because I yeah. mean, the bands that we I listen to, they did too. The guitar players were playing big amps. We don't we don't do quite that, but there's something be you got to get you got to get the tone that you want. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't just hold back for sure. Yeah. So what's the uh... This album's gonna drop March third, and then what's the uh, what's the tour look like? Uh, March third, we're in Philly. That's the date it comes out. And then March fourth, we're at IOTA. Nice. Um, and then we hit we go down south. We go back to Asheville. Oh, nice. We go to Atlanta and Birmingham, New Orleans, um, a few other places. Then we come back and. Define, uh, define. The, the, all the tour dates are on revelatorhill.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and we'll put links in the show. Yeah, yeah. So, so I can't remember do, them all. Do, do you find, uh, well, we're going to sit here until you do, sir. <laughs> you gotta, I'll just uh, yell them out when I remember yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you find the audiences are there just for like a good night of rock and roll, or do they really come? Is it more like the an older, like blues type audience? It, it depends on the play. Like, for example, in Atlanta, yeah. we've been playing there enough that. We get there, and there's like that whole front area is well reserved, and these people are there to see us. Yeah, and then second row, third row, also. I'm like, wow, this. And then you, it packs up, and it's all familiar faces. Yeah, and they're there to see us. And yeah. it is a bit of an older crowd, but the crowd is a crowd. Yeah, you know. Um, but they appreciate what we play, and they let us play what we play. We don't. We're not expected to be a blues band playing. We are playing a blues bar technically, right. but we're not. Uh, so they appreciate what we do for what we do. Same in uh, Boston, Montreal, other places we've gone. We're going in April. We're going up north. Yeah, I think. I can be, see that. In I Montreal. think it'll be warm enough. Hopefully, 
I mean, the whole planet is warming. So yeah, yeah it'll be. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is Soon what we did. This is what we're doing to ourselves. So. This isn't. This is indeed what we're doing to ourselves. I mean, yeah, I, I can really see that. I can see you guys like going over really well in Montreal. We were just up there for the first time, and it's just. Yeah. And again, getting out of the country, you know, we we're talking about like what people expect. Like they just expect that you're good. They expect they, that you're good. You know, we we got give, lucky because we played up there, and the word got around, and so they booked us. But uh. You know, there's other parts of Canada, but going to that part of Canada is always interesting. The first yeah. time I went there, I'm like, is this North America? Yeah. You know? Because it's yeah. quite different. But, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to go up there with my Washington Nationals shirt because I think we took their baseball team. I th- did we? Montreal Expos. Oh, fuck. Became the Washington Nationals. <laughs> I guess, do you think but I you go in some hat. places there and, and they're like, my first time, I was like, hey, they didn't speak any English to me. And my friend was like, no, they just didn't want to speak English to you. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, but I made some friends. And they're like, yeah, once you get to know people and they're yeah. comfortable with you, they're comfortable with you. Yep. You know? Yeah, it's a wild but, uh, city. Uh, well, congratulations on the album, sir. Thank uh, you. This is, uh, like I said, having followed you for a little while, I think this is sort of the end of, of, of you building to this and the start of another sort of phase this is like the when they say chapters yeah you know in book or series yeah. of books you know sometimes you make an out you know you put singles and they're like or you put out you know motion pictures which are yep. you know bigger albums you know this is a a continuation yeah you know of the huge series of things that we do yep you know i think so, it's gonna be a good chapter i think i think it I is do. too i mean it, i hope people like it yeah so uh I hope they listen to it Atlantic Detour is out on March 3rd. Revelator Hill. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks Please come me. back. We didn't talk about Rye at all. So I'm going to have to come back yeah, for you're gonna have hours to come back just for to that. talk to about <laughs> Rye and other things. Cool. All right, man. Bobby Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly enjoyed spending the afternoon here uh, in the basement with Bobby, talking about just completely nerding out on guitar stuff, and uh, and can't wait for you guys to hear his new album, Atlanta Detour with Revelator Hill. That's going to be out March 3rd, everywhere you can get your records. I suggest you buy it, uh, but if streaming is your thing, uh, stream it and make sure you check him out out on the road. I believe there's a CD release party at IOTA on on the 4th. That is March 4th. Uh, so he, I think he's going to be playing there for that, but he's going to be taking this out on tour. And uh, he's always playing. This was like the one weekend he had off. But he is always out there playing and uh, making the rock for you. So, uh, so check him out, people. Like we said up front, uh, we we're going to give you a little taste of this album, and that's what we're going to do right now. Uh, the name of this track is, is How Many More Years... And this is uh, pretty much, this is what Bobby does. This is his zone. And uh, him and his band sort of lock it in. And it is uh, it is just some great goddamn rock and roll. So uh, here you go. Uh, this is how many more years off of Revelator Hill's Atlantic Detour.
Revelator Hill off their upcoming album, Atlantic Detour. It is out March 3rd, and you will be able to put it in your ears in whatever format you so desire. I highly suggest you do so. Uh, big thanks to again to Bobby for coming down and hanging out. Uh, hopefully he'll be back to talk about some Ry Cooter. That's, we didn't get to that, but uh, but we need to get to that. <laughs> we covered Clapton this time, and now then we got to get into the other guitar nerdery of Ry Cooter. Uh, that is about our podcast for this week. We thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Go ahead and uh, smash that subscribe button. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on Mixcloud, on SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Google Play. You can listen to us directly on the site. That is ChunkyGlasses.com. Our front page is going to have our most recent podcast up there, along with uh, our live coverage done by Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro who are killing it. You can see their stuff on uh, Instagram and Twitter. They both are at Chunky Glasses, so pretty easy to find. We're on the Facebooks, but don't really use it that much. Uh, our, our interstitial music that you hear there, that is provided courtesy of Jamal Gray, Aquatic Gardener. Uh, this, this guy is a powerhouse in the DC music scene, and he has uh, many, many projects. Aquatic Gardener is just one of them. Nag Champa is something we're going to be talking about later on this year. That's, that's another one. Also, thanks to our hosting service, Pippa, uh, they are uh, – make podcasting great again is their motto. And uh, so far they have for us. This is uh, – you know, they, we upload our file. 
we put it all together and it goes up to you it has gone so smoothly we get all these nice metrics back it's it's actually pretty amazing pretty pretty great service guys over there at pippa uh we're gonna be back later on this week to talk to you about miles mosley it's a guy with the west coast gang you might kamasi washington kendrick lamar all these people he's played with them he's made your favorite albums he has a new album out called uprising uh so that's going to be later on this week so uh until then i want you guys to hang out i want you guys to take care of yourself uh i want you to get out and see some live music and be good to your ears but be better to your people we'll talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!